Welcome, brothers and sisters, to Season 2 of Twisted Perspective. We here at Twisted want to tell you, our listeners, thank you guys. You guys made Season 1 a tremendously wonderful success. In our first six months, we reached well over 1,000 downloads. Our Scrambled Dozen prayer team has been busy. They received many prayer requests. We've received tremendous testimonies of God working some pretty miraculous healings. We've also received testimonies of God making some supernatural financial provision, as well as some testimonies of relationships being restored. Glory to God! So we here at Twisted would like to say thank you guys and may God abundantly bless you and your families for your continued and faithful support of this amazing ministry that the Lord is using to touch many lives in some pretty incredible ways. Without you guys, there is no Twisted Perspectives. So what do you say? Are you ready to kick off Season 2 of Twisted Perspectives? Are you ready for me to twist your perspective? (laughs) We're coming to you from the hills of Cherokee County, Oklahoma. I am your Twisted host from Blood of the Lamb Ministries, Jody Coward. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today. Hey, I want to kick off Season 2 with an absolutely amazing testimony of not only the goodness of God, but of the power of the blood of Jesus. A pastor friend of mine sent a prayer request for his dad, Roger Maddox. Before I tell you what the request was, I really need to give you a little background on what Roger has been through over the past several years. Roger survived four heart attacks, two strokes, kidney, bladder, and prostate cancer, and I believe he has 17 stents put in his body. The man is a warrior. But anyway, we received a prayer request from Roger's son, my friend. The request was his dad was having a hard time breathing, and they were carrying him to the hospital. And of course, naturally, from the history that I've just read, they assumed that it was a heart problem. So they got him to the hospital. They took an x-ray and found out that one of his lungs was full of fluid. So they sent him to another hospital where they could take care of this problem and arrived at the other hospital. They took x-rays and in fact, one of his lungs was full of fluid. And after some tests, they found out that the fluid was not liquid. It was actually gel. And so they were going to have to do surgery to insert a tube to draw the the gel out out of his lung. So the prayer request had been made for that right there. And several other people, I'm sure the pastor's church was praying, our team of Twisted Perspectives, they were praying. The day of the surgery, the surgeon decided, well, we need to take one more x-ray just to make sure what we're looking at. And why don't the family, y'all go eat and give us about 45 minutes to an hour and then we'll get back with you. So the family went to eat. The surgeon had the x-ray ordered. They did the x-ray. As the family was sitting down to eat, the surgeon approached them with two x-rays. The first x-ray, of course, that they did when they first got there, and the x-ray that they had just now taken. The first x-ray showed that one of his lungs was indeed full of fluid. The second x-ray showed that there was absolutely no fluid whatsoever in his lung. That is a testimony of the goodness of God and of the power of the blood of Jesus. We give God all the praise for it. Roger, I want you to know, sir, that our Twisted Perspective prayer team will be praying for you. This man is actually leaving out August the 2nd to Ghana, West Africa. 
So, Roger, know that there'll be lots of people praying for you. Okay, so season one ended us with finding ourselves on a journey through the Book of Esther. It was a journey of discovering some divine secrets about the accepted protocol of our kingdom behavior. So to start season two, I thought we'd go on another journey, a journey of remodeling. It's just a short journey now, a journey where we're going to go exploring the story of a lady who remodeled her home all to accommodate a man of God. But what the lady could have never known was that the remodel that she meant for a visitation would become a place of a life-changing encounter with God. So now I have a question for you. Are you ready? Here it is. Have you ever noticed this? That shortly after, and in fact often immediately after, there's a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the enemy comes almost immediately to steal and kill and destroy the promise that God has just gave us. Do you remember that Jesus made us the promise in Matthew chapter 8, and he said where the kingdom is preached that Satan himself would come to steal the seed and the promises of God? Now with all that said, there was this well-known and influential lady in the days of the prophet Elisha, and she discovered this very thing firsthand. Now listen very carefully, brothers and sisters, what I'm going to say here. It is only because of her preparations that this lady was able to end up victorious in a battle that she would face in her future that she had no idea was coming, but it was her preparations that caused her to be victorious. Jesus did give us keys to his kingdom. Our key here is that the lady, or as the Bible calls her, the woman, doesn't even name her. Always kind of bothered me. But the Bible calls her the woman. She made preparations and room for God. Some people are so busy and distracted in today's world that sometimes we forget about our relationship with Jesus and we fail to make preparations for him. And if we do make room for him, it's really just a quick, Father, bless me and my family today in Jesus' name, amen, and get on with your life. And I certainly understand that. But look at this woman. I am convinced, ladies and gentlemen, that there is much that we can learn from her. Are you ready? Our journey begins in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, and continues down to verse 37. Our story opens with Elisha traveling through the city of Shunem. The Bible says that there was a notable woman there. Notable meaning that she was probably pretty wealthy and perhaps even a woman of influence within her city. One day as Elisha was traveling through Shunem, she persuaded him to have a meal with her. And after that, Elisha would often stop in for a nice meal whenever he was passing through the city. Then one day, this woman, she discerns this presence of God upon Elisha. And she says to her husband, Honey, it's time to remodel the house. I want you to build this man of God a room. I want it to be fully equipped for him, and you spare no expense. Get him a bed with one of those nice, comfortable, thick, Tempur-Pedic mattresses, complete with sheets and comforter. Oh, and don't forget one of those Mike Lindell My Pillows. Get him a nice nightstand and a lamp and a clock, and he's probably going to be needing a desk with a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection, also that he can have internet access while he's staying here. I want you to install a small Kenmore refrigerator stock completely with plenty of fresh spring water and some late-night munchies in case he wants a snack. Now get to it. Now in just a short period of time, this woman has her house remodeled. 
And in this short period of time, this woman unknowingly made preparations for what would go from a visitation of the man of God to a habitation of the presence of God. This woman takes such good care of Elisha that one day he asks her, do you need me to do anything for you? He even offers to speak to the king on her behalf, but she simply insists that she is good and she doesn't need anything. Now wait right there, just wait right there a minute. Now you know good and well that most of us, even if we didn't need anything, that if somebody offered to speak for us to a person of influence on our behalf, well, you know we'd be all over that. Oh, no, no, but not this woman. Elisha then asked his servant Gehazi if he knew of anything that this woman might need. Gehazi tells Elijah, well, all I know is that the woman has no child and her husband is old. That's all I know. Now, right there, we can only assume that the reason that this couple had no children is that maybe her husband is beyond his ability to father children. The Bible doesn't tell us why. There's no evidence of why they could, couldn't have children. So this is only assumption on my part, okay? Perhaps the problem was even with the woman's ability to get pregnant. Again, we don't know, and this is just an assumption. Next, we read that Elisha tells the woman that she will have a son about this time next year, to which the woman responds, No, my Lord, don't you lie to me. Now, we're going to stop right here for today, and we're going to see what we can learn from this woman's story so far. First and foremost, if you're really already close to God and you're trying to get even closer to God just to have a life-changing encounter with the presence of God, preparations are absolutely vital. To help me illustrate this for you, I'm going to give you a particular example of an event to show you what I mean by preparations. But you can pick whatever event you choose. The principle for this is the same. Let's say that you're planning a big NCAA national championship party that your favorite football team is playing in. You know you're probably going to spend some time and some expense preparing for your big championship day. You go all out with the decorations, the food, the beverages. I mean, you go all out. You leave no stone unturned. You invite all of your friends, all of your family. This is going to be a big deal, and you're going to spend time and energy making these preparations. And like I said, you can pick any event you want, but I believe that you get the point of what I'm saying. Preparations take time and sometimes money, but they will cost you something, even if it's not money. Now, have you ever noticed this, that the more important an event is, the more important the preparations for that event become to us? If that's true, which it is, then why do we think that we can have a life-changing encounter with Jesus and it requires little to no preparation on our part and we think that it won't cost us anything? So maybe having this life-changing encounter with Jesus is not as important to us as we think it is. You see, just like this woman who discerned the presence of God on Elisha, if you are discerning the presence of God pulling you close to him, you must prepare to host the presence of God and you must be willing to pay the cost. Just like this Shunammite woman, you never know what the cost of these preparations might lead you to. You see, by making a simple room for the man of God, where he could come in and visit and grab a meal, this woman had no clue about what her preparations were going to lead her to. Never, yes, I said never, underestimate one encounter with God. Next, we read that the prophet Elijah promised this woman that she would have a son, 
Her response was, no, sir, don't you lie to me. Now, how about you? Has God made you a promise, but it was something that you just couldn't believe? I'm not saying that you called God a liar, but I am saying that maybe you doubted God could make good on his promise to you. Maybe not because of anything God could or could not do, but you just couldn't believe it because maybe something in your past. Maybe this Shunammite woman had become pregnant before and had a miscarriage, and the memory of that was just too painful for her to think about. So painful that the thought of her becoming pregnant again was just something that she could not bear. Again, we're not told, and this is only an assumption that I'm making, but you have to believe this. Something in that woman's past caused her to say to Elijah, No, man of God, don't you lie to me. Now all of this brings these questions to my mind. Has something happened in your past that is stopping you from believing everything that God says about you? Next question, what exactly does God say about you? What exactly does God say about you? You know, I'm so glad you asked. Let's go look. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it says that we were brought near and close to God by the blood of Jesus. In 1 Peter 1, verse 18, it says, We were redeemed not by silver or gold or by any corruptible thing, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. Redeemed means this, being recuperated or reclaimed. So being redeemed to God, it means we're, we are now reclaimed to him. Because of Adam and Eve, we were separated from God. And now he has reclaimed us by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Christianity, we've been saved from the consequences of sin, which really is death and eternity spent in hell. Now, sin means this, and I know it's, it's going to shock some of you people, but look it up. In the Strong's Concordance, it defines sin as this, as missing the mark. The mark being the target and the target being God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And I've come to believe this, that sin really is just being separated from God. Because all of those bad things that people do, it is the consequence of being separated from God. God is not the author of any of that death and destruction and violence and hatred and, and jealousy and adultery and backbiting and gossiping. He's not the author of any of that. And we have been recuperated and reclaimed back to him, to our rightful standing with him because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what I believe sin means, according to what I've learned in the Bible. Now, Jeremiah 32, verse 40, God declares this, that he will make a new covenant with us where he will never, ever turn away from doing good for us, ever. And I looked at word that he would never, I looked never up in the Greek, and it get, it means never, ever. Deuteronomy 31 and Hebrews chapter 13 declares these words, that God has promised that he would never leave us and never forsake us. Hallelujah. The creator of heaven and earth is with you always if you're a Christian. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, 37, and 38, Paul wrote these words, God gave you his son, and how will he not graciously and freely give you all the things that pertain to your life? Paul wrote that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us, and that there is absolutely nothing that can never, ever separate us from God's love. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know that maybe some, some of this is hard for some of you to believe, but that's how God sees you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, 
Paul wrote these words. He says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. So he who knew no sin, he who had never been separated from God, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus was the word. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the word and he had never been separated from God, but he became separated from God so that we could become in right standing with God. Meaning that no matter what you've ever done in your past, by you making Jesus your Savior and your Lord, you have become in right standing with the creator of heaven and earth, the great I am, the one true living God, the God and Father of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, no matter what. And also in John 11, chapter 14, Jesus said these words to us, if we would only believe, we would see the glory of God. What's stopping you from believing? These are just a few of the things that God says about us, brothers and sisters. Now, if you're a born-again Christian, you need to understand this, that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to speak to you as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And you need to be aware that one of the things about a kingdom is that when the king says something, that is exactly how it is. In the United States of America, where I live, People think they have a vote and an opinion, and we do because this is America. Our Constitution gives us that. We certainly have those rights. But ladies and gentlemen, in a kingdom, you do not have those rights. If our king said it, then it's not up for debate. It's not up for your opinion. If the king said it, that's it. And listen to me, if you've been so hurt in your past, and you think that there is no way that God sees you like that, then at the end of this, I'm going to say a prayer for you because God sees you as wonderful. God sees you as the son of his love, which is Jesus. We were born again and all things have become new. We need to understand and we need to learn the ways and the protocols of God's kingdom. God loves you, ladies and gentlemen, and he sees you through his son. And so therefore he sees you as perfect. It's nothing you could do. It's something that he's done for you. And it's a free gift and all you have to do is receive it. And like I said, it's not up for debate. That's what God says about you. He's the creator of the heaven and earth and you are his creation. And I don't know how you think, but I think who am I to argue with what the creator of heaven and earth says about me, the one who created me? Who am I to argue with him how he sees me? So Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father, I lift these listeners up to you, Father. If they're needing a touch from you, if something in their past, Father, has wounded them and they, they see themselves as no good, they see themselves as less than perfect, They, Father, really, we all are less than perfect. Jesus Christ makes us perfect to you. But we are humans and we are not perfect, Father, at all. But, Father, people have been wounded and their, their self-image has been wounded. And they don't see themselves like they should. So, Father, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, that you would illuminate their minds and enlighten the eyes of their understanding. That you would set upon them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that they would come to know who they are in him. That they would come to know who he is to them. And, Father, I just ask you, in the name of Jesus, Father, 
your Bible and your word says, Father, and all of our getting, we need to get understanding. So I ask you, Father, to bring understanding to these, your sheep. I ask you this, Father, I believe that we receive it when we ask it. And I give you praise, Father, that you are a God who has invited me by the blood of Jesus to lay my petitions and my prayers and my requests down at your feet. In Jesus' name, Father, I give you praise and glory. Amen, amen, amen. If you believe that with me, you say amen. Well, listen, brothers and sisters, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time where we're going to continue this short journey. And we're going to learn something. We're going to learn what you can do when your promise that God has given you seems to have died. Hallelujah to Jesus. I love you guys dearly. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today. We pray that today's discussion was a tremendous blessing to you. We want to say thank you to three amazing young men of God, Logan, James, and Travis, who are chaotic resemblance from Proto, Oklahoma. Thank you guys for allowing us to use your song. The name of that song is Jesus is King. You can learn more about these mighty men of God on Facebook, YouTube, Amazon, and Spotify. I want to give a big shout out to my friend, my brother, and my producer, Ted Ackerman. Ted, I greatly appreciate you, bro. Hey guys, be sure to download our episodes, click our like button or the heart button, and share us with your friends and your family. Oh, oh, and hey, one more thing before we go. Please send us your prayer request or your comments at jodycoward59 at gmail.com. That's J-O-D-Y-C-O-W-A-R-D 59 at gmail.com. May God bless you. And until next time, remember Revelation 12:11. It says, we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Hallelujah to Jesus.